Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, That's folks. Right, we, folks are we are back. back. After a midweek episode, episode this week, this we, week are now we are now back on Saturday, on Saturday with my two with great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Manji. Kyle, how are you doing Kyle, today? how are you doing today? Doing good. Up early, accomplished a lot, and uh, I will probably go for a nap after this. So, I'm on that train. On that I had train. practice I had this morning, and I am, I am exhausted. exhausted. Turned my knee Turned in my, my first, knee drill. first drill. How, How appropriate, appropriate is that for me? That for me? It's a very Nick thing to do. It's a very Nick thing to do. Even Gabe can confirm that when we talk to him. Irfan, how are you doing, man? Good. Chilling, man. Chilling. It's a busy weekend ahead, but, you know. It is what it is. It's great. Get to see you boys. Get to see Gabe. Always good to, see, good everybody. to see everybody. And as I, and mentioned, as I mentioned, our friend of the show, the Gabe show, Ferraro, is joining us today. Gabe, Gabe, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. I, I had fun the first time, and I'm happy to be back. I appreciate it. We always love having you on, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> good conversations always flow when you're here. I appreciate that. No, I love being here, and always love talking sports, so I'll be on whenever you guys want. <laughs> That's great to hear. Um, reason we have Gabe on, and this was me and him talking back and forth for about the last month and a half, is Gabe is a current CFL player, and we wanted to talk to him about the CFL decision in our kickoff segment brought to you by, well, Gabe and his brother's Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrar brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. So Gabe, obviously you've had a very busy offseason. You got signed, and then COVID happened, and it was a bit chaotic. How was that transition sort of for you and the rest of the team? Well, uh, an interesting offseason, to say the least. Um, I mean, I think everyone felt uh, what happened with COVID. And, and, you know, I can't say we were the only ones that went through it or, or that it happened to, I guess. Um, so in that sense, you know, we're kind of with everyone here and understanding. Um, but it was an interesting offseason. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of kind of we didn't know what was going on or where we stood or, or anything like that. Um, so it was an interesting time, right? Just uh, a few weeks even before camp, it was kind of like, is it going to be a thing? Is there going to be a season? We didn't know. And then kind of, you know, the the first day came and went. And, you know, even throughout COVID and throughout the the months that the season was supposed to be on, it's still, are we going to get back in a month? Is it going to be a couple weeks? Like, we still had no idea. So I think the biggest word is just a lot of uncertainty. That was the, the craziest thing about this, I guess, season, you could call it, quote unquote. Yeah. What was the uh, communication like with the Players Association? Because we, we kept hearing back and forth that uh, the Players Association and the CFL weren't necessarily talking very well, but uh, what was the communication to you from the Players Association? Uh, there was times where it was, 
uh, every day. We would get a message or, you know, weekly. Um, there was also certain times where, you know, a couple weeks would go by and we kind of would hear nothing. But in all fairness to both the league and the PA, there's kind of nothing to be said because, you know, everyone was uncertain. The, the government was uncertain. Every every industry was uncertain. No one was really sure kind of where we stood and what the future would hold. Um, so there were certain times where I'm sure the league and the PA felt the same the players did. It's kind of what the heck's going on? You know, where are we going? What's happening? Um, so uh, as much as we could get from the CFLPA, I think that they were doing a good job of keeping us in the loop and, and kind of telling us where we stood and what was being talked about. Um, and then again, I think more whenever they did have discussions, they would keep us updated and tell us um, each team has a player rep that kind of is part of the CFLPA and relates everything back to the team. Um, so our player rep with Ottawa was doing a great job relaying everything back and keeping us in the loop. But again, for a good chunk there, there was really nothing to tell us. You know, there was a few emails along the way where we'd get an email and say, hey guys, we've been talking, no updates, you know, we're still not sure, kind of we'll let you know when we know. And, you know, that was kind of for maybe good two, two and a half months there. Where that's the only message we was getting is, you know, not sure, we're got to see, you know, just we'll keep you posted. And like, that was that. Fair enough. Boys, do you guys have any questions? Uh, sure. I mean, first off, congratulations for signing with the Ottawa Red Bucks. Ottawa represent. <clears throat> totally appreciate that. Of course I'm going to say it. Um, and I'm really sorry that your season was canceled, but I guess the one question I had is something that surfaced in a lot of articles on my end when I was reading was the government's inability to, I guess, fund the C CFL. Do you think that if there was some sort of funding or some sort of help from the government that we would have probably had a season or there would have been a higher chance at a season. I know you can't, you don't know maybe all the details in that, but like based on what you, what you knew, I should say. Yeah. Uh, well, first and foremost, to Ottawa, uh, thank you. And, you know, I'm bummed out. I didn't actually get to come to the city. I was really excited. I know the fans are amazing there and, you know, it's a great atmosphere in Ottawa. So I was really looking forward to that. So fingers crossed, you know, I can stick there for next season and get that opportunity in Ottawa. Um, but to your question, um in the basic terms do i think if the government gave funding we could have a season yeah maybe um again i don't know all the details and i don't know the behind the scenes as to why and what exactly was being asked um i know over the few months there was a um a lot of communication and um between the cfl and the government asking for funding and for help i know at the at the beginning it started with an ask of i believe it was 150 million and then it turned into 40 or 45 million and then 30 million. Um, so it was kind of, again, I'm sure that money would have helped to run a season. And, um, but to, to say that that's what was the breaking point, I don't know that that was the only breaking point, but I, again, it did end up coming down to that in the end. Of course. Um, but even from the government's point of view, I think it's tough because, uh, what are they going to do, right? They're, they're funding people with CERB. They're, they're helping people that are losing their jobs. And then to keep a league afloat, it's kind of a big deal, right? So they did mm -hmm. offer to give some money um, in which the CFL was not able to accept because I believe it was something to do with the interest rates and paying back the loan. Again, I don't know the full details. Of course. Um, but yeah, again, and the simplest answer to that question, yeah, I think with some funding, it could have helped. Um but I don't know in the sense of if there could have been funding from somewhere else, from private lenders, what, what mm. the actual behind the scenes looks like, right? Of course. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. That was a great political answer. Yeah, it was. It was really good. <laughs> You're going to fit well in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you. <laughs> uh, Kyle? So, um, yeah, it's more just like, what, what are your next steps? Like what's going on now? Like how are you keeping in shape and how are you basically ramping up for a, hopefully as long as everything goes well, a season next year? Yeah. I mean, um, from the league running side, I'll answer from that side first. I know a tough thing that we're kind of looking at now, or I guess the league, not we, we're kind of looking at is whether by next May is are things more opened up? Can we have fans in the stadium? Do we have to play in a bubble? You know, cause we're a league that our TV deal with TSN is not really enough to run the league. Whereas a league like the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, their TV deal is what makes them most of their money. For the CFL, the teams make most of their money on selling tickets and concessions. So if by next May, next June, we can't have fans in the stands still, kind of where does that leave us? Um, so that's one thing. From the players' point of view, it's kind of put your head down and just keep training as if next May is going to come, right? This just gives us an extra long offseason. Um, I like to see the positive side of things. So from my own point of view, this is really cool because whenever I ever had an offseason, that's a year and a half long or two years long, right? So whether it's guys nursing injuries, whether it's guys, you know, getting back to the basics on whatever they're doing and kind of starting from the ground up again, it gives you that opportunity that we've probably never seen before and we probably will never see again going forward. So to me, it's kind of a cool opportunity to get that super long off season that, yeah, we were getting prepared to play a year, but now when we go into training camp, it's going to be almost a year and a half, two years since anyone's put a helmet on, since anyone's hit, since anyone's, you know, played a full game. Um, so I think that's going to be a really cool opportunity in that sense. Um, just like I said, to give you the opportunity to fully rehab if there's an injury and you're not just kind of getting good enough to play. You can be 100% healthy and 100% fresh. Uh, so I guess there's two sides to it. There's the two sides that you're going to be two years removed from ever playing a game and now you're back in a game again. And then there's also you get so much time to get back to the basics and kind of rebuild yourself from the ground up again. So I, I, I'm trying to see that positive side of it, that it's a really cool side that you get that extra long off season that, again, we've never seen and probably never will see again. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And um, yeah. around the league, I've noticed that a lot of players are opting out of contracts uh, to pursue NFL. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I was a little surprised by is the number of kickers and punters. Um, and I know the kicking community is very, very tight. What have you made of some of the guys opting out and heading down to the States to try to get a contract there? I mean, kudos to them. Like, I think that's an awesome opportunity. We saw it in the NFL last year, like, not to talk down on anyone, but it wasn't the greatest year for kicking. It was one of the worst years field goal percentage-wise in a long time in the NFL. Um, and there was a big rotation of kickers through a few teams. Yeah, <laughs> Chicago. Um, so, the, so the opportunity's there, yeah. The opportunity's there, and if some of these guys can get a crack, I mean, that's awesome, especially Canadian guys. Um, it only looks better for us Canadian kickers. You know, unfortunately with the NFL, when they take CFL guys down, it almost sets a precedent. So, you know, a couple of CFL guys go there and it doesn't look good. Well, now they might not look at us for another couple of years where if guys go down there and they're successful, it almost opens that door a little more. Um, for sure. So I'm, I'm happy to see it. I think a few of the guys deserve it. I think, um, like, we got some great talent up in this league. I've already seen a couple, uh, like, receivers and linebackers sign contracts already. Um, so I think the interest is there. And I think the tough thing is these guys have to opt out, not only kickers, assuming you're going to get something, right? You can't yeah. really contact teams until you opt out. Um, so kudos to them, right? Because when you do that, there is a wage subsidy program that's being set up between the government and the league right now. So you're kind of opting out of that as well. You're opting out of your medical benefits. Um, so you are giving some up for that opportunity. So 
again, like I think it is an awesome opportunity for some of those vets that, that maybe have played four or five, six years in the CFL and want to give it a real shot. This is probably your best chance, right? For sure. Have, have you considered going down south to play at any point in time? I have, yes. I just, I, I understand the, the path it takes. And I see, um, you know, I grew up kicking with Liram Harulahu, who played with Hamilton the last couple of years, and now he's with the Los Angeles Rams. And he didn't really get his first uh, tryout in the NFL until, I don't want to get this wrong, but four or five years starting in the CFL. Um, so it's almost like a stepping stone, right? Like being a Canadian, you kind of got to prove yourself up here. So I didn't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to opt out of my contract, become a free agent, and then hear nothing because I haven't personally, I believe I haven't really proved myself in the CFL yet. So um, I'm kind of keeping myself focused while I'm still young on mm-hmm. making my name here and making um, you know a good name for myself up here, and then kind of taking that next step from there. Are, are any of the kickers and punters and stuff considering the XFL with it being recently purchased at all, like repurchased? I guess like is that an opportunity for? Um, for future, or is it just kind of one of those things where it's you, it's either NFL or CFL? No, I'm sure they would. I mean, again, COVID had terrible timing, not that there ever could be, but I thought the XFL was doing a great job. I mean, I know that they had tried before years ago. This year, it looked like it was doing awesome, and they were doing really good. They were getting good uh, TV ratings, and then unfortunately, just as they were halfway through the year, they had to cancel. Um, so no, I think it's it's a legit league, and I think it will grow. Um, I'm kind of comparing it as it's almost like the American CFL right now, you know, with wages and all that is fairly similar. Um, I, I think there's there's uh, it's legit there. And, and the BC Lions kicker from last year, Sergio Castillo, ended up going and playing for the Houston team. And that's his hometown. And he played there up until, again, it got canceled. Then he signed back with BC. But I think it's definitely um, a, a real path. And there, it's it's a real football league. It's a good league. And guys will definitely come out of there once they are established and have a good league. It's definitely something to look into. Even for myself, it's definitely, if there's an opportunity, it's definitely something to consider. Any more questions, boys? All right. Well, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you were looking for year round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrar brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. You can follow them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. So when we originally decided to have Gabe on this show, it was just going to be about the CFL and all that. This week had a drastic turn of events, and the sports world has taken a huge step forward in what they've done. And Irfan, I know you're very, very vocal about this on Twitter, which is great. Uh, Do you want to maybe explain what happened this week and why we're having this conversation? Sure, absolutely. Um, I I think with Jacob Blake shooting, it it took another turn for the worse, I would say, in terms of the the conversations between Black Lives Matter and to racism, equality, um, and how athletes, individuals, um, the governments have been dealing with that sort of issue over the past couple of months. I know we start from George Floyd. We've talked about Breonna Taylor. And and then this one where Jacob Blake gets shot in the back seven, eight times um, sparked a controversy, sparked um, players and athletes of the NBA, the WNBA, uh, MLS, MLB to sort of speak up. Um, 
and then obviously the NHL being the last of the bunch to really do something or do something effectively. Um, Nick and I have been talking over the last couple of days about this and how disappointed I've been with a sport that you know most of us here have grown up with since we were four or five or whatever our first memories are. And to see a league where you look up to these players, you look up to a bunch of these athletes not necessarily doing much or you know making an effort it seemed like it was you know dead air space and not really much being done and i think that's where that's why i've been as vocal as i've been on twitter or retweeting and um, looking at it and personally i followed the the uh, milwaukee bucks game about 45 to 30 minutes or something like that beforehand when you know the magic came out to the court, but the Bucks didn't. And because you know the the shooting of Jacob um, Blake was in uh, the state of Wisconsin, I believe, so it, it hit close to home for a lot of the players there. And so they boycotted. it. So I watched the coverage starting with Sam Mitchell, all the way to Chris Weber talking about them and not wanting their children to be a part of it and not wanting you know the future generations to be a part of it um like asking for a change now saying that people don't need to die you don't need to see people of color die in order to make a change and i think that's why you see a lot of the nba the WNBA stand up for what happened over the last couple of days um did i miss anything boys did i cover it um I mean, I'm doing my, I'm trying my best to stay on top of this, but again, I'm not in on that bubble. I'm not in on that space. So kudos to the athletes that have uh, stood up to this. Kudos to the, the NHL players like Matt Dumba and um, Evander Kane uh, for speaking up. Uh, kudos to the Bucks for what they did for sure. And um, the coverage by the NBA during that boycott before and after I thought was phenomenal. Um, they asked the right questions. Uh, they didn't press anybody. They understood the situation, and I think I respect that the most for sure. Absolutely, and I think uh, watching the last three days unfold, it was sort of eye-opening in multiple ways. And I, I actually have no problem with any league that decided that they wanted to play games because you saw it across the MLB. Some of them played games. But the difference when it came to the NHL was that they didn't make a statement. They had one game that had already started before the Bucks decided to boycott. So you know what? Those two teams I kind of will give a semi-pass to. They didn't know what was coming. But after that, they did the first game in the East after the boycott. They had a moment of reflection. Reflection, reflection was reflection. what it was called. Yeah, we're going to reflect for 33 seconds. Yeah, and I, I got mixed reviews on that. Some people said it was three seconds long, the moment of silence. And then mm. some people said it was 30 seconds. So I'm not sure if people were exaggerating the three or the whole ceremony was 30 seconds, including what was mm. said beforehand. I'm yeah. not really sure. And they tried, and that's, that's one step. But then the game in the West, the Colorado-Dallas game, which is three hours behind, by the way, did nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's where it became a problem. There was no recognition of what had happened. There was nothing said before the game. After the NHL had said that they were going to do a moment of reflection in both, it just showed that the NHL was so far behind these other leagues, in my opinion, mm -hmm. at least. 
And I don't know, you're Kyle, not wrong. What, what do you no, think? No, you're not wrong. I, I, I agree. I, I think the NHL was behind. I think um, MLB was also with there. I don't think they get a pass at all. No. Um, because if, if you look at, like, the Jays game and stuff like that and Montoya's comments after the game, it's embarrassing. Um, the fact he said he, he didn't know what was going on and they played the game anyways, even though it was two and a half hours after everything had occurred. And the original, um, the original lockout by the Bucks yeah. was two hours earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's embarrassing. Um, Fair. And and it's fine. It's fine if they if they're trying to say, oh, we were focusing on the game, but that doesn't give you an excuse for not knowing what's going on and not understanding the situation as well. The fact that this was going on and they're like, yeah, we'll play the game anyways. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just the Jays that I'm calling out. It was more just his comments that were. Um, I keep saying this, but embarrassing. Like is the fact that it's that teams representing Toronto and Canada, and the fact that like, oh, we didn't know about the the issue. No, you knew about the issue. You just didn't want to address it before the game. Mm-hmm. And neither and team did. No, and neither team did. I'm not giving the other team a, a, a break, but it was more just uh, from a Canadian aspect. It's mm-hmm. one of those um, that representing my country is not something that I support. Um, I think it's one of those we've been dealing with. This, for you know, at least this movement for for months now, and it kind of it kind of stalled a little bit because you know there was the riots and all kind of stuff, or riots or protests, whatever, which way you look at it. Both. Um, and then all of a sudden, after that died down, at, le- at least in my mind, it kind of lost traction a little bit, which is not something that should have happened. No. Right. This, this shouldn't be something that just disappears or goes away. This should be like. Mm-hmm. A full time, this has to change before anything else happens, which is why I applaud all these teams and 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 the leagues for, um, you know, suspending the games for a certain point. I still think that, you know, is it the right time to bring them back yet? I don't think so. But as we said before, like as we said before, with like before the sports were even coming back, and if we were wondering how they're going to come back for the leagues, it all comes down to money. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't think. In my opinion, I don't think they truly care about the movement. The players do, and you can see that based on all the all the players walking out, or you know Kenny Smith walking off air live um, and doing that kind of stuff. But you know the league itself, they they they're like, well, sports just came back. We already missed months. We're gonna play mm-hmm. these games. We'll suspend it for a couple of days, sure, to show we care. But it's it's one of those they just want the games to play, and it's. It's something that shouldn't happen in this world, and yet we're in the world where it's it's a normality, which is embarrassing. But um, yeah, no, it's just that's my opinion. So, Gabe, I want to get your thoughts uh, as a player and someone who could have possibly potentially been playing at this time. Has there been conversations with your team about maybe what what you guys want to do as a group, or have what are you what are your thoughts in general? Um, well, w- with my team, no. I think just because we never really got together to become a team, I guess. We never actually sat in the same room together to have that conversation. Um, but to build off of what Kyle was saying, kind of the, what keeps running through my head, the next question is, like, what's next? So, you know, we built up all this awareness and there's all these slogans and logos and, you know, hashtags and all that, but what's next? And I think, like you guys said, the players that's kind of what they can do is build up that awareness and do things like protesting and sitting out a game and 
again, that puts it into, it allows us to have these kind of conversations that we're having right now. And it opens up that, that forum to have the conversation. But the people who can actually enact the change are kind of the ones with the money, and that goes to the owners and the owners of the, the teams and, and the league. Um, so while uh, the, the leagues are doing things like uh, allowing them to, I guess, sit out and then to come back in two days and like, all oh, that's great, but what are you actually doing to make change? Like the reason all this awareness and we are where we are now is because people are asking for a change, but we're not seeing that change. So that's kind of my question is like, obviously not for you guys, the rhetorical, but what, like, what's next? What, what comes after this? Is, is it just more, let's have a couple more conversations and be open to listening. And then we go back and forget about it again until something else mm-hmm. happens. Or is someone going to actually kind of, you know, step up and, and do something and change something? Because it's unfortunate that money is kind of what's driving this and not kind of life and people and humans and how people are feeling. And, um, you know, it takes the players sitting out, which then makes the owners lose money, to spring them into, into action. And then their thing is to come up with another slogan and another commercial or whatever. But that's not actually changing anything, right? So... I guess that that's my biggest thing whenever I see this is like all these slogans and commercials and conversations are great, but kind of what's next? Like what's the, like we need that next step. That's what it's all about. And I don't want to say I'm losing hope. I don't want, I would never say that, but it almost feels like, is that ever going to happen? Or is it just going to be another slogan, another, um, and I remember when the NBA first came back into the bubble and everyone would take a knee for the national anthem. And almost my first thought was kind of like, okay, but now if everyone's doing it, it's almost forced. And now it's not even talked about anymore. You know what I mean? After the second game and third game, yeah. is anyone even talking about that they're kneeling for the anthem? It's like, you know, like I feel like it was almost like a Band-Aid over the situation, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of actually, again, inflicting that change. So uh, that's kind of where I'll leave it is like, what's next? What's the next step from here? Yeah, and it's a, it's a valid question, honestly. And I think it's one that needs to be discussed from everybody not not just athletes not just media but ev- everyday individuals who watch these sports and love the sports and love the athletes hmm. how do we as everyday individuals make a change moving forward and i've always looked at it this way and it's it might not be a great way to look at it but let, hear me out before you guys judge me growing up playing sports for so long I don't think I ever had any biases just because I knew that it depended on how you played on the field of play. Walking onto a field, you might have judged a guy based on his height, that he was going to win balls in the air against you in soccer, or if he was bigger, you might be able to outrun him. But when it came to skin color and background, I don't think it ever changed anything in my head because it was always, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you're better than me, you're better than me. If you're, If mm-hmm. I'm better than you, I'm better than you. Which is why I think actually sports is a great platform. Because it does have that ability to show that no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what your race, religion, age, even to some point, you get to compete at a high level or a comparative level against everybody. And I think that's why the athletes need to have such a big voice moving forward. Because they have that history. And yes, we could talk about predominantly white sports, predominantly black sports, right? But it doesn't matter because there's always going to be people of different races that are playing that sport that are just as good. Right? I don't know I don't know your guys' opinion on that. Uh, Irfan, you and me talked about this on Thursday, but... Yeah. 
it, it should be about talent. It shouldn't be about how you look or what your skin color is. And I think that's why I agree with Nick that the athletes have a massive, massive platform, right? Like you have LeBron who speaks out and is able to, you know, fight against it. Like we got to see what else they can do. You have the official HDA for the NHL who's been vocal and being like, this can't be a thing. This can't be continuing. And I think to answer what Gabe's saying, what's next is constantly talking about it, constantly putting in people's faces, constantly being like, here's a local black business, support them, write a uh, a petition, do this, do this, do this. It's like, you got to just be as active as possible. And I've had this conversation with a bunch of people in my program as well, who are, you know, they have a political background, so they understand it from a political side. And it's like, as much as stuff has been happening, you got to just keep putting it up in people's faces. It has to keep coming up. And yes, you got to kneel once, you kneel twice, but you got to keep doing it to be like, this is a problem. And it reminds you that kneeling goes back to what Cap did four years ago. It's like, there was something to stand up for. And I know that, you know, five games in, it's going to, same thing, it's kneeling. But you know what? When I see people kneeling, I go, the Black Lives Matter. It's something that needs to change. It's a mindset that needs to change collectively, not only in sports, but it's a mindset that needs to change in the world. Um, and the platform that the athletes have being able to speak out each and every day um, is the only way we're going to put this forward. And until some sort of brutality, some sort of recognition or understanding is that black lives matters, people, people's lives matter. It isn't about you know saying that this specific race is the only thing we're focusing on no it's the fact that they haven't been protected they haven't there hasn't been equality there hasn't been um that level of cohesiveness that should be when lives should be mattered and and i think that's how you're going to move forward is continually fighting for that continually putting it in people's faces and like i said i'm going to say this again it's the platform that you're able to provide even us as young Uh, sports hosts and stuff like that and i know that nick this is your future hopefully fingers crossed for you buddy um is using this platform of twitter using instagram using your voice and saying i understand where my shortcomings are but this is wrong and this is how you're going to be able to fight it very well said man very well said um i was on the 20 minutes on ice podcast with ryan and he posed a question that I didn't really have an answer to, mostly because I didn't think I, I, well, not that I couldn't form a sentence, but what happens if an NFL team boycotts week one? We're seeing NBA, which is a top five league. We're seeing the NHL, which is a top five league. We're seeing the MLB, which is a top five league. But we all know that down south, the NFL rules all. Teams don't want to play on Sundays during the NFL season in any of the other leagues because they know they're not getting any viewers. That's why the Raptors are always on Sundays. It's as simple as that. What happens if an NFL team boycotts game one or week one this year? Kyle? Uh, I think I think it's the ultimate statement. Um, I think the, the, the biggest fact is that... Um, you know, NHL, MLB, and basketball, it, it's great what they're doing, but I think the biggest voice is that NFL. And I think that the fact that essentially this movement started with Kaepernick and the NFL, and now it's coming full circle, 
Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and I, I think it can't just be the players. It's got to be, you know, management. It's got to be, you know, team owners. It's got to be somebody like that who has, you know, they have a voice, but they're like a voice above what the athletes are to make a true statement. Because the athletes can drive this and drive this, and it'll make a movement. But if, say, if an owner, right, makes a statement saying, hey, we're not playing this week until things are changed or until things improve, I think that will make the ultimate statement. I think that'll, that'll as Gabe said, that'll, that'll be the next step. That'll, that'll get people talking. That'll get more, more movement towards this rather than just chatter and superficial things being done instead of an actual you know, physical, uh, mental change in people and in this movement. Gabe, what do you think about that? Yeah, actually, I, I want to add on with what Kyle just said. Is um, He made the one point that hopefully it's you know something like an owner saying, I'm not comfortable putting my team out there this week. Because I think that that's what would make the ultimate statement, right? The one who's in it to make money, he's the one saying, no, that's not as important right now. This is more important, right? Um, and like you said, the NFL is king down south. That's kind of what runs the show in the sports world. Um, if they're the ones to do it and the league and those owners are the ones to step up, that kind of forces the other leagues to step up. So if they can kind of be the ones to obviously not start it because these other leagues have started it, but kind of take it to that next step. And now maybe the owners inflict some kind of change that they can. Um, I saw the NBA. Um, don't quote me on this because I might get a little wrong, but they opened up polling stations in all 32 stadiums or 31 stadiums. Uh, 29 down arenas. south. 29. Yes. So I hope that almost kickstarts like a competition between the leagues. Like, oh, is that what the NBA did? And then the NHL says, oh, well, then we're going to take it the next step further and we're going to do this. And then MLB says, oh, yeah, well, then, you know, and it's almost a competition to change and to get better. And um, I think if the owners can look at it that way, they're the ones that can make the real change. And it comes from the players because that's who the fans know and that's who, you know, is on TV. And um, But again, like, like Kyle said, if that can come from an owner, that's the ultimate statement because they're the ones that earn it for the money. So if they can kind of step away from the money and say, this is more important, this is, takes precedent right now, I'll worry about the money later. I think that's where we start seeing the real change. Yeah, no, you're right. And seeing the NBA make that step and open all 29 arenas down south for polling is great. Hmm. The NHL has 24 right now, about to build a 25th. Do you think all 24 are going to be open by the time the poll comes? I open so. the floor to the group. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, can I ask a quick follow-up question to the NFL there? Of course. Um, I know we're looking at the owners for a change, and I think that would be phenomenal because they are the top dog down south, right? Yeah. But my question is, if Kaepernick wasn't supported four years ago for his approach, do you think that the owners are going to back it up? I, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm very skeptical on that point is that – like the trajectory over the last four years has been this, right? Like, is Jerry Jones going to say this? Is um, Robert Kraft going to say anything of the sort? Because those two are the big boys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, are they going to stand up and support it? Like, this is, I don't know if it's a rhetorical question, or but it's just something I'm going to toss out is, it would be great, but is it going to happen? And that's kind of what I said to Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Kyle, what did you say? 
No, I'm just saying it, 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 it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's, it's one of those, it, it's got to happen. And it's, yes. and it's on them to take that step forward. And whether they have the balls or not, balls enough to actually do it, you know, if they're going to sit in their high tower and, and say, this doesn't affect me, this doesn't, it doesn't affect my life, um, then I, I, I think that that's adding to the issue, right? I think it's, it's, on, it's on them to take that step and, you know, put themselves out there, even though they may not want to, because it's the right thing to do, right? It's one of those things where it's, it may not be in their nature, it may not be something they want to do, but they need to do it in order to truly get this movement going. But also that's something that we think is the right thing to do for them. If it's based on capital, it's based on funds. Are they going to really sacrifice it? And, and, and this is just me posing questions. I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass, but I'm just also trying to understand what sort of mindset that we're coming from, you know, the newer generation, a younger generation that's thinking, hey, man, you got to do it because it's the right thing to do. But necessarily these guys are in their 60s and older. Is that something that they think is necessary for them? I mean, that's just some that's just a conversation that needs to happen for sure but i'm glad that we're, we're generating something mm-hmm. yeah well when ryan posed the question to me i kind of said i don't see it happening people boycotting week one just because the nfl as a league will lose its mind mm-hmm. if one team decides to boycott week one the nfl will come down so hard on that team no matter how ridiculous that sounds to us and how dumb that would be for the league to do, it's going to happen. Because and I, it's honestly, I, think if, I think if that does happen, um, the NFL will face consequences because of it. Exactly. And, and there will there'll be a lot of players that will not play. There will be a lot of fans that will not watch. And a lot of the money that they, re, they, they rely on for that stuff will not be there. And I, I think that's, that's the ultimate balance is what they have to find is if they truly do want to come down to that team for not playing, be ready to face the consequences. Mm-hmm. Because it, I think at this point, it's one of those movements where it's the athletes don't give a crap anymore, right? It's one of those if, if you're gonna you're gonna you know find me, you're gonna suspend me, fine. I won't play. You're gonna lose me playing, and I, it's it's gonna come down to you know I, I hate to say this, but it's gonna be one of those like you know is a is a high profile white man gonna do this, right? Is Tom Brady gonna boycott the league, right? Is he gonna is he gonna sit out for the year because he doesn't believe in it? That will truly make a statement. Like one of those, it's it's yep. it's, it's weird to say because it sounds like I'm saying something wrong, but it, it it's got to be one of those. It's it's got to be you know. Got to be a high profile player. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's Christian McCaffrey sits out the year. All of a sudden, it's like whoa 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 wait wait what's happening? We just <laughs> lost one of our best running backs in the league. Right? Like let's let's name the top five players in the league. If any of them sit out a year because of this, doesn't matter what skin color. Yeah, yeah. Lamar Jackson sits out a year, or Pat Mahomes sits out a year. The NFL is going to take notice. Yeah, they're going to raise their eyebrows for sure. Yeah, they're not going to be happy. No. So they're going to have to do something. And that's why yeah. when Ryan posed that question, I was kind of like, "That's a, that's an interesting side to look." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as athletes, what can they do while playing, I wonder? Like, what kind of, what way to make the statements that they haven't already done? Because what they've already done clearly hasn't been working, right? It has, it, it's starting the conversation and then stopping. How, yeah, are they, I think, how do they go about it? Sorry, from my point of view, I think 
uh, for athletes, their biggest thing when it comes to this kind of stuff is when they're not on the field and not on the court. Like, are they in the community? What are they saying when they're in their interviews? Um, you know, like, I think it's a powerful thing. I saw a couple of NBA guys do it when they went in their interview and someone asked them about the game. They said, honestly, I don't even want to talk about it. I want to talk about this and kind of said their piece. Yeah. And I think for NFL, that's a big thing too. And, you know, when they're done practice and they go see fans, what are they saying? What, how are they interacting with the fans? You know, stuff like that. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is what are they doing off the field and off the court and off the ice that makes, I guess, the biggest difference because mm -hmm. in their communities, they have influence, they have power, um, they have a big following. Um, yes, I agree that uh, it, it, maybe it's up to someone to make a statement on the field because that's how they're known. But I think a big important thing for them is what's happening when they're off the field mm -hmm. and kind of, I guess, what conversations, what changes are they trying to make in that sense? Interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. I was just wondering if there was a way for them to continue to play so that their voices are being heard while still making statements. That, I guess that's what hmm. I was trying to get at. But that's you're right. It's the interviews after the games. It's the interviews before the games. It's mm -hmm. the interviews on days off. It's what you're doing in the community that's going to make the biggest impact. Yeah. So I guess the next steps is just trying to continue the conversation and how we do that is going to be determined by ourselves. And Irfan, I know you're very vocal about it all, which is great. Me and Kyle are pretty vocal ourselves, which is a big step for us. And we're going to use our platform here at Garage Door Sports and the Garage Door Sports Network to continue the conversation as long as we possibly can. And they're not always going to be as hard of a conversation as we're having today. And that's the beauty of it is as we continue to have the conversations, we're hoping that they will get easier to have. And we won't have to be talking about it because someone's been shot. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And then at some point it won't be a conversation because it will be normal, I guess is the, yeah. the best way to put it. It feels like we're not asking for a lot. Like, please don't shoot somebody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, at this point in time, can you really expect that with the way the last couple of months have gone? Do you know? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks coming up. It's just, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's unfortunate that we have to keep starting the conversation over, it feels like. I, I don't know if that's you guys too, but I feel like this conversation, we've had this conversation, Irfan and Kyle, three times this year. Mm -hmm. this exact conversation. The only difference is now that players boycotted and now we're talking about that. Right? But it's the same conversation we had when George Floyd uh, died. And it's the same conversation we've had multiple times in the three years that this show has been around. And I think that's the biggest problem for me. Is that we keep getting caught restarting the conversation and not continuing the conversation. Mm -hmm. right and I want to get everyone's final thoughts because we've been talking about this for almost 30 minutes now so I'll get everyone's sort of final thoughts and we can wrap up this episode and we'll continue this conversation as it goes on obviously um, Gabe why don't we start with you yeah I mean um, kind of what I was saying before I, I, I don't want to seem all doom and gloom about um, what the players have been doing I think it's amazing and I do think it needs to continue 
I'm, and I, I am really holding out hope for that next step, whether it's the owners, whether it's from the players, however it may be from the leagues. Um, I am looking forward to that next step because I do genuinely, genuinely believe we are working towards uh, some type of change that needs to happen. And it, it does. It, it seems like we're banging our head against the wall sometimes. And it's the same conversation. It's kind of like, okay, so if everyone knows what we're looking for and, you know, what they want, like, why, why is nothing happening? Um, I, I am holding out hope, and I do believe that maybe something is coming, happening, going to happen. Um, and, again, I, I think it's just important we continue talking about it and, like Irfan said, just keep throwing it in everyone's face and, and keep it so prevalent It's the number one thing because it is. And uh, we can't stop talking about it until until there is, you know, equality, until it, a change has been made. Um, so that, that's the biggest thing. we just got to keep going, keep pushing keep supporting, uh, listening, learning, all those things, right? And holding out hope that something is coming, something will change. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kyle? Um, there's not a whole lot to say. It's, um, you know, we all can do our part, and we can be vocal, and we can do, you know, as much as we can. And But I, I think it all comes down to, as I said before, it's, it's actual change happening. I think that's that's the biggest thing. It's it's got to have, you know, it's got to be a step forward. It's got to be something has to happen because we can only talk about this so much before you know we get you know what happened in in, Minis- in Minnesota where it's just you know riots and it's it's people have had enough. And I think I don't want it. I don't want things to come like that because then it has such a bad image on the movement. But something has to happen, you know. We can talk and we can talk and we can talk, but somebody's got to make something happen. And, you know, it, it, it falls on every one of us to actually, you know, have a voice and, and be that person who can take a step. But somebody up high has to, has to, you know, get a backbone and get some balls and do something about this. 100% right. Uh, Irfan, you want to give your thoughts? Sure, I'll try and keep it short. Um, Take your time if you want to, man. No, 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 no. If you're going to reflect and make sure it's not just a, a 30 second reflection or a 20 second reflection, it's it's a reflection that you take every day. Is you know, you know, personally for me, I am someone of color, but every day I wake up, I go, I'm grateful for what I have. And I also know people don't have what I have. So take that reflection and see how you can better yourself every day or what can you offer. Um, for someone else or what can you offer for yourself and I think that sort of mentality I don't know if it's right or wrong but that sort of mentality personally is something that's going to evoke change um, you know it's just like one person does it then three people do it three people do it then another three people do it and you see that massive chain that massive massive exponential growth and I think that's what we're fighting for we're still in that little baby phase but I, I guarantee you the minute it gets passed and exponentially grows it's going to be fantastic so um, keep using your voices, keep using your platforms, and don't just reflect for a couple of seconds. Reflect every day. Well said. I think the biggest thing that I've been getting out of everything is how many people aren't willing to have the conversation. And we see it on all the social media platforms. Is Oh, I'm not watching the league anymore. Okay. I honestly don't think the leagues care if one player, one guy doesn't watch on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day they play. Yeah. They, they don't care. And I don't think the players 
give two, pardon my language, two fucks. If you're not going to watch, they don't care. They are going to make their statement anyway, mm-hmm. which is the way it should be. Be willing to learn. Be willing to listen. And then change can come. Until we get to that point, we're going to be stuck in that baby phase that you just mentioned, Irfan. And I think that's it. And that was a tough conversation, and it comes on the day after Martin Luther King's speech and the MLB doing Jackie Robinson Day, obviously moved from the normal day that they would normally do it due to COVID. It has that much more effect in my head. That it was this week. That all of these things were already planned. All of these celebrations were already planned. And now the players decided not to play. Around the same time, it has a big impact on the state. And I hope that continues. I want to thank Gabe for joining us. We really appreciate it. Obviously, this was not the conversation you and me talked about having two weeks ago. Um, but thank you for giving your opinion, and it was very, very well said. No, th- thanks for having me. Um, it's such an important conversation to be had. Um, uh, you know, no need to apologize. It's a conversation that needs to be had, needs to be talked about. Um, th- thanks for having me, guys. It's been, it's been good. You are always welcome, my friend. You are always welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, make sure you follow Gabe on his journey through the CFL and wherever he ends up after that. Obviously, it'll start next year, but still. Yeah. Hopefully still in Ottawa, so we can link up, buddy. I hope so. <laughs> um, you can follow all of us at Nick McVicker, at Irfan Manji, at Kyle Vardy on Twitter. You can follow the show at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. Make sure you follow Gabe and his brother's kicking academy at canada kicking academy on instagram or go to their website at kickingacademy.com yes. yes thank you that, that's the first time i heard uh the kickoff live so <laughs> i enjoyed that i have to say <laughs> i've gotten a lot better at the read let's put it that way <laughs> no that was awesome <laughs> make sure you keep the conversation going obviously we're not doing tire fires this week um, we're going to bring that back next week hopefully keep the conversation going I don't think there's anything else to say. For everyone here at Garage Sports, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.